everybody. Um, hold on, let me get rid of this on my screen. All right, here we are. Sunday morning at school for A Course in Miracles. Is the volume okay? Everybody hearing all right? Okay, wonderful. Um, this morning, um, well, we already are in, in chapter six, which is where Jesus first uh, talks about his crucifixion. And um, Tim covered that uh, last time when we were working on chapter six. And, and I'm going to uh, pick up with uh, the relinquishment of attack. But first, I want to remind us of um, the very end of the section. Uh, it is on page uh, 96, uh, the very end of his section on the crucifixion. Um, let's find it here, 96. Because, it, you know, it seems to me that this is um, you know, the message of, of the entire course, really. Uh, you know, he wants us to, to learn and to experience that we cannot be hurt and we cannot hurt. I mean, this is the bottom line of the ego thought system is attack. And that attack makes us safe. And the fact of the matter is attack makes us fearful, makes us weak. But the only way we can understand the message that Jesus is giving us, and here I'll read this, this paragraph, um, and then we'll talk a minute about it. Um, it's uh, paragraph 19 on 96 at the top of the page. Remember that the Holy Spirit is the communication link between God the Father and his separated sons. So this is our way back. This is our, the way home. Uh, learning to listen to the Holy Spirit as our appointed friend. Shortest section in A Course in Miracles is called The Appointed Friend. And the Holy Spirit is our friend. He is the one that brings us home, and we need to learn to trust him. So remember that he's the communication link between you and God the Father. If you will listen to his voice, you will know that you cannot either hurt or be hurt, and that many need your blessing to help them hear this for themselves. In other words, he's using the word here kind of loosely, but he wants us to demonstrate that there is no need to defend ourselves and that we no longer have any interest in attacking, that attack makes us weak. And that, that's a hard thing uh, for egos to learn, but it isn't the ego that is learning this. The, the ego isn't what's learning this course. It is um, the mind that is learning this course. And the main thing that it's learning is one thing. We know it, but we have to re keep repeating it over and over and over again. We learn to choose a different teacher, which he just told us about. The Holy Spirit is the guide and the teacher that's going to teach us that um, uh, attack gets nowhere and to teach us that we can't hurt or be hurt by joining 
joining him by going where he is, which is in the mind, not in the body, and admitting <laughs> that we don't really know anything, but we can be thought. And this is both the, um, I would guess, uh, well, it requires faith to put our faith in something that is unseen, unheard, in order to learn that it is surely there. And we learn it surely there through the miracle. The miracle is what shows us that we're learning from the Holy Spirit. No miracles. We're still pretending we're learning from the Holy Spirit, but it's still the ego that's in charge. And as Whitney pointed out so beautifully uh, yesterday in her teaching, for those of you who were there, you, the, the willingness to learn from the Holy Spirit means that we really are willing to set aside uh, any, any motivation to still win, to still be right, to still get our own way, because we're learning a thought system that's beyond, beyond anything we know. So he says, if you will listen to his voice, the Holy Spirit's voice, and that's not necessarily a voice the way we think of a voice. His voice is always some form of peace. It's always um, uh, rest. Uh, there is nothing left to do. It's complete. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's finished. And um, I need make no effort to do to do anything so um when um let's see let's say i'm going to back up a little bit here if you will listen to his voice you will know that you cannot be hurt or hurt and that many need your blessing to help them hear this for themselves by your demonstration you demonstrate that no matter what anyone might do to you there is no need for you to perceive it as an attack upon yourself. Well, Jesus demonstrated that in the most extreme condition, situation, when he talks about it in the section on crucifixion. But he says, under much less extreme circumstances, I am asking you to demonstrate that you can't be harmed and hurt by anybody. Your body can, but that's different from uh, reinforcing an idea that harm and hit, harm and hurt are a reality. So it's it's the interpretation that we make on anything that someone might do to us, even though it would appear harmful. It doesn't have anything to do with us. In fact, Jesus would have us see it as a call for love. So any attack upon us is a call for love. And if that call for love appears anywhere, it's still my call for love because there's only one of us here. So all calls for love are my call for love and uh, that I would respond um, to them. He says, when you perceive only this need in them and do not respond to any other, there aren't any needs. If there's a need at all, the only need there is, is 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 love to be taught that you cannot you you have not hurt me you cannot harm you cannot hurt and to teach that with consistency um, and do not respond to any other 
So um, to me, that would be um, what forgiveness is all about, to not react to anything other than a call for love. Because if we react and respond to anything else, we make it real. So the Holy Spirit, as our teacher, does not make errors real. He teaches us that the truth is true and nothing else is true. Um, <clears throat> so uh, do not respond to any other. You will have learned of me and will be as eager to share your learning as I am. So to learn of our invulnerability um, is a requirement of being a miracle worker. We can't work miracles, work, that's sort of an advisable word to use, but the miracle cannot happen through us as long as we believe we are vulnerable and can be harmed and hurt because we're going to be looking to prove that we're right. And so we're gonna be looking for enemies and believe it or not, we can be very confused about what is joyful and what is not joyful. We both have the same idea that we all want joy. We all want happiness but we can be very confused about what that is. And to the ego, finding an enemy is joyful. It, the ego chortles with glee when it finds a um, target for its uh, un, un, uh, unresolved guilt, for its guilt that has not been recognized and belief in it has been withdrawn. So the undoing of, of that uh, guilt that lies deep within us until it's, um, until it's recognized um, cannot be gotten beyond. It's, it's still there. And I, I, you know, I think it's one of the most um, difficult aspects of the course because uh, none of us actually uh, comes to the course knowing what guilt is. Uh, we don't know why we feel miserable a lot of the time. We don't know why we feel fearful. We don't know um, what this um, underlying uh, sort of expectation that the other shoe is going to drop somewhere along the way, even if things are really good. There's still a, a sense that... Um, something could go wrong. So that's guilt. Anytime we're not wholly joyous, uh, Jesus said that's, you know, that's guilt. So um, another place I want to point out this idea um, of our invulnerability and how essential it is to learn this is in chapter four, it's on page 71. 71. Chapter four, paragraph eight. God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful. You all know that I've been attending uh, regularly. We've been saying the prayer at the beginning 
uh, actually it's on page 27, I think, the truly helpful prayer, you know, because in these conditions, it seems to bring to light for all of us the, you know, what, what can I do to be truly helpful? How do we be truly helpful uh, under any circumstance? But certainly um, because it's so in our face, um, there is the, the question about um, what, what can I do? And that prayer goes, I'm here only to be truly helpful. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm in this world. And that's what uh, my body can be used for is to recognize um, that uh, help is needed. Uh, I'm here to be truly helpful. I'm here to represent the one who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I'm content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. This um, little prayer uh, also points out um, something about the Course that is very um, different, along with the idea that we cannot be harmed and hurt in any way, um, is the idea that the way that I will be healed is to be taught how to heal. In other words, it is through the extension of the Holy Spirit through me, through you, to my brother that heals me. That shows me the miracles are, are everywhere. Ultimately, there's only, only one miracle. So um, the first principle of the Holy Spirit in teaching us is we have to get over the getting principle. Um, the ego believes that we can get enlightenment, that it can get enlightened, that a person becomes enlightened and, um, and rather than the person actually disappears from uh, the concept of oneself. The pers personhood is a concept that we've made up of ourselves. And so it's impossible to get anything, but it is possible to learn that we can only give as our father only gives, we can only give, and we can only learn by giving. So um, first principle to have, give all to all. So right off the bat in the lessons of the Holy Spirit, he's, he's teaching us that we really need to come to totality here. There is only one son of God and you are it. And there is nothing outside of it. And the one son of God on my chart up here, you can see many of you are familiar with it, but on this chart, truly the son of God, which is the inner, inner circle rests within uh, the mind of God. So it's mind within mind. And there's no way we can get out of it. There's no way we can be anywhere but here. So how do you find joy in a joyless place, which is over here in this little dirt ball where we think we are, which is the world and the split mind. Uh, 
as a, an effect of the tiny mad idea. We think we're here and we think we're in the ego's camp. There are two camps here. If you can't see this very well, if you put it on speaker view, uh, it will become bigger and you'll be able to see it. But um, so in believing we're here and believing we're bodies, we're actually nowhere and we're nothing. This is all completely made up. This is the dream. So this is where we think we are. This is where we really are. And we can't be anywhere else ever. <laughs> but we need to unlearn what we believe is true. Um, and we have to be willing to be taught what is what is true. What is true is actually already there. So we don't have to make anything up, fortunately. It's already available to us. So back to this statement about being um, invulnerable. God is praised whenever any mind learns to be helpful. So I see only love or calls for love. That would be helpful. This is impossible without being wholly harmless. And that's the section we're going to read today um, is um, the section on the relinquishment of attack. Obviously, if we believe we can attack and we do so, even if nobody else knows about it and we're attacking in our mind, it's still an attack and we're reinforcing the idea and the belief in attack. So what we want to do with that is, is notice our proclivity to do that how adept we are at doing that and to bring those temptations to attack to our teacher, the Holy Spirit, to bring it there and lay it down. And laying it down means truly letting it go. I don't, I don't want it anymore. Now, at, at first, we may be unwilling, <laughs> a little bit unwilling about that because there's, um, there, are, there are lots of attachments to attack. It, and it's an adrenaline rush. It feels, sometimes it feels like it's powerful. Sometimes it feels automatic. Sometimes it just comes out. <laughs> and, and all of this, the, this is just symptoms of our underlying guilt, which ultimately we will get to. In fact, yesterday we did um, a section on the holy relationship. And uh, part of my research on doing that section was Jesus uh, says, this is, this is really where your deep-seated guilt is going to get undone, is in uh, the relationship that you turn over to the Holy Spirit, which is, which is um, holy relationship. Once we change the purpose of any relationship and we bring it to the Holy Spirit and say, use it for your purposes, then in the section on the healed relationship, all hell is gonna break loose because the guilt that we've never looked it at before is going to surface because I am giving up my control and my manipulation of that relationship. And so now, you know, what has been covering all of that up is going to surface. 
And he says, probably in so many words, you're going to want to throw your brother under the bus. But he says, hear not this now. Do not do this. Do not throw your brother under the bus. Because on the other side of this, you're, you are going to, um, the relationship will become increasingly beneficent for one thing. And um, uh, Ellen shared so beautifully about that yesterday. And thank you, Ellen. I, I, I really appreciated your uh, sharing of that relationship with your, your deceased husband. It was beautiful. But that we can have ongoing relationships even when the body is no longer here. So that's the joy of learning that we're not these bodies, that we don't need to defend or protect them because, well, for one thing, they're not really there. <laughs> they're not there and the world is not there, but our minds are in communication eternally forever, eternally. You can't lose anybody. You don't lose the things you love. All right, um, going on here. <laughs> All right. It is impossible to be wholly helpful without being wholly harmless because these two beliefs obviously cannot coexist. When we're learning that we're minds, we learn that ideas are what we're giving ourselves. And the ideas that we foster are the ideas that we're teaching ourselves. So the real question is, what do I want to learn here? You know, in the manual for teachers, page number one, he says, we're giving you an opportunity for you to choose essentially what you want to be based upon what you want to teach and learn. So the ideas, again, of teaching and learning and giving is receiving is um, a whole new way of learning what we truly are. The truly helpful, sentence three, are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos and so nothing can hurt them. Their helpfulness is their praise of God. And he will return their praise of him because they are like him and they rejoice together. God goes out to them through them and through them, and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. I kind of love that word. I, I, I haven't used it a lot in the courses and use it a lot, but today they're going to see quite a few places. And I'm thinking you could just put the kingdom across this, uh, these two circles, the, the circle inside the circle, and that would be um, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. So great joy goes out through, throughout the kingdom as we begin to uh, recognize and share our invulnerability. Every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its individual willingness to share it. Well, it, you know, it, it's recognized by the desire to share. You, we can't do anything other than share. Chapter five on uh, healing and wholeness, where, uh, you know, we're learning that we're, we're unified, that we're one, there's only one son of God, and obviously attack 
and defense doesn't make any sense in what is one. <laughs> so <laughs> the only way we can learn it is to stop those nasty habits. Um, so every mind is changed and adds to the joy with its individual willingness to share it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers whom I direct, Jesus speaking to us, I direct them until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful. So it's repeating that, that prayer, I'm here only to be truly helpful. I will re uh, direct you wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever, whoever can follow my guidance through you. So um, some pretty important ideas that we need to um, foster in our minds and to experience through our willingness in the, in the face of um, any sort of slight or danger or possibility of believing we can be harmed and hurt, to in, in the face of that, to recognize this is, this is what our teacher is asking us to do. So any thoughts or any questions at this point? I was, I was thinking that it's, it's really um, helpful <laughs> to remember that when Jesus talks about being helpful, he's not talking about it in terms of going out and helping somebody literally, like, you know, giving the guy on the street 20 bucks, um, you know, it's got his hat out or, or you know, going to a, a, a food line and help distribute food to the homeless. I mean, that's all nice stuff, and he's not saying don't do that, but the way Jesus wants us to be helpful is to stop looking for victimizers. I mean, internally, we chose to basically crucify ourselves, nail ourselves to the tiny mad idea of separation. That's how we believe we hurt ourselves. And then rather than let that go, the harmful part is we project that onto our brother, the responsibility for that. And now I have to say, I didn't do this dumb thing internally where I believed in separation. The reason I'm not at peace right now is because of what you did to me. So the way I become harmless is I start looking, I stop looking for victimizers. The way I'm helpful is I stop looking for victimizers. I'm willing to see you the way Jesus sees you. So this is really a course about not behavioral helpfulness is what I'm saying. It's about perception change. That's why the whole next section is the alternative to projection. We take that internal idea of crucifying ourselves to the tiny mad idea. We're, you know, we, we nail ourselves to that cross of separation. And now rather than let that silly thought go, we have to go looking for somebody to blame our lack of peace on. So we maintain that internal choice, but never ever admit that's what we're doing. Bruce has been real adamant all week that that's such a huge setup that we do and we don't admit we're doing it. So the way harmfulness is always about looking for victimizers. I harm you because I'm trying to make you the sinner, not me. <laughs> You're the one that ripped me off of my peace. I didn't do some dumb thing internally, like throw Jesus out the window 
and nail myself to a cross of separation. <laughs> no, I, w- I wouldn't do something that stupid. You're the reason I'm upset. <laughs> and so the, the helpfulness and the harmlessness is all about perception change, not about behavior. You know, do what you do. Be nice. <laughs> That's nice. And, you know, behaviorally, but it, it's really about changing the way what we're going after in the course of a day. Am I looking for victimizers or am I looking for holiness? That's what the holy relationship is. I start looking to you for your holiness instead of looking for you to be the victimizer. <laughs> I mean, it's that, it's that kind of crazy simplistic, but it's always that shift in perception. It's not about what we do or don't do. Bruce? I was just thinking as you're sharing that, Tim and Lynn, that uh, you know, the, the ego says, oh, maybe I have a little chip on my shoulder. I, I think Jesus is saying, well, actually, if you look more carefully, you probably are like more like Atlas. You're carrying the whole world on your shoulders of grievance, you know, and, but, we, but we don't recognize it initially until we start looking carefully without condemnation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this whole world down here is, is made as a, as a cover up for the, you know, the grievances that we carry within, you know, uh, one of the ways it was expressed yesterday and, and so many people relate to it is God wouldn't recognize our specialness, <laughs> you know, and, and that was a, a mortal wound to the ego <laughs> you know, that we, we were not recognized um, by him at all, could not see us, of course, because God doesn't see what he didn't create. So, yeah. Any other uh, thoughts before we go to the section on uh, uh, the relinquishment of the tack? Just one, one short one. Horton yeah. never heard the who. <laughs> if anybody's seen the uh, uh, or read the, the Dr. Seuss book of uh, Horton, here's a who. It's all about this <laughs> elephant, that, that this little tiny dust mutt, which really fits with your chart that's behind you, Lynn. You know, uh-huh. What we really are is this, this perfect all-encompassing oneness, but we've, you know, hypnotize ourselves into believing we're this this little tiny nothing on you know hanging out on a little speck of nothing and and that's the that's the whoville that we, we think we're uh-huh. in and in the dr seuss story but in in the course's metaphysics horton never heard the who <laughs> I mean, the, the speck never existed and so it couldn't have been heard so the tiny mad idea didn't happen basically uh-huh yeah. uh-huh yeah right yeah, and that's that's what we really need to learn to accept atonement for ourselves. That uh, you know this that we're going on and on about is is not worth getting um, upset about and reacting to because it's really it's it's all nowhere and nothing. But we can't just say it's nowhere and nothing because that's not going to get us from here to the realization of here because. All of this is necessary to keep because it's covering up all of the guilt that's that's in the mind that we are are thinking that it's so horrific that it's just so terrible that um, the mind is a very very dangerous place and so the Holy Spirit has quite a job to convince us that you know the mind is a beautiful place and the mind is where all the, the, the healing will be, will be done. Another, uh, another I, I think another helpful thing to remind myself is that when he's talking about attack, 
once again, he's not talking about behavioral attack. He's not talking about me taking a club and beating you over the head because you did something stupid. He's talking about the way I see you inside of me. The, what am I seeing you as a victimizer? Then that's the attack. I'm attacking you. I'm saying you did something to me. You're not a son of God. You ripped off my piece. So when he, he's talking about judgment, really. Attack is basically justified anger. I'm angry at you. I attack you in my mind, even if I keep on smiling. <laughs> it's how I see you is what the issue always is. Sure. Attack is always about how I see you. Do I see you as the son of God, holies? Or, or am I looking for trouble? Am I looking to make you the, the victimizer and, and insist you're the reason I'm not in peace? That's the attack. That's always the attack. So when he says relinquishment of attack, he's talking about relinquishment of the way I'm insisting you're, the, you're robbing me of my peace. I'm insisting, I'm, I'm letting go of my judgment of you as a victimizer. Even though in time and space, you might be doing it, and you probably are. <laughs> I mean, but what's that got to do with, with your holiness? What's that got to do with my holiness? Well, Jesus keeps saying nothing. This is all about shifting our perception of what we think we are. Not separate guilty beings, <laughs> but innocent, holy, one son of God. Yeah, I, th I think um, there's always uh, a hint of condemnation in in the attack that Jesus is talking about. I, I want you punished. You should be punished for what you did. So, I mean, that's really the, the visual that goes on in the mind of the attack is you, you really deserve punishment. And uh, in the little, uh, the little graphic we sent out about today's announcement, it was a gavel. You are condemned <laughs> and it was broken. It was a broken gavel. We, we, you know, we break our, our stranglehold on, on having to condemn people, point the finger at them, make them the bad guy. Um, you know, ultimately, it's, there, there's, there's, only, there's only one, and it's me, and I'm the one that needs to change my mind. And there are others out there are just projected images of my own projected guilt until I realize that, um, uh, you know, my, my, the sonship is, is mine. I am the sonship and everyone is in this same place that I am. And what a glorious um, moments of peace that we have when we see that way. There's, there's no conflict left, you know. Oh, very peaceful. Lynn, could I just share something that's been really helpful to me because all that you all have been talking about is you've got to identify, you know, I'm the problem. It's my mind. And as you said, that's projected guilt out there. A little thing I did, and I want to thank Bruce because the last time he gave a talk at the Rocky Mountain Miracle Center through Zoom, he really brought home that lesson, I believe it is 23. You know, my attack thoughts are creating this whole mess out there because if I have attack thoughts, it has to show up out there. So I just immediately go, okay, I'm doing it. So it's the accountability and acknowledgement. It's coming from me and I see because I'm doing this. And Holy Spirit, I don't want it. Number two, you take it. And then I just say, zap the crap because I love mind words. That helps me. So one, I'm accountable. 
Two, I'm handing it over. You zap the crap so I can move on with my life. No one's guilty. I take my peace back. And then I'm very joyful that I'm not carrying all this to put on other people and get into this horrible snarl, which I did incredibly well doing that last week, hence feeling very ill by Friday to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I just want to pass that little, you know, it's just that quick. It's that easy. We're responsible for the first two. He will take the unconscious guilt out of our mind if we recognize it. Responsibility of sight. I'm sorry I'm wrong. I didn't do it right. You take it. Bam. I can go out and play again. Recess time. So I just I hope that's helpful to people. Uh-huh. Yeah. Zap the crap. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Barbara. All right. Now let's go to page 99 in the text. the relinquishment of attack. So one one way to um, think of the um, Christ, the Son of God, holiness, the mind within the mind of God is is to think of it as the state of grace um, where uh, we are experiencing our own beingness, the beingness of the Son of God and um, the beingness that we truly are that is is unlimited, that, that doesn't reside in a body that doesn't exist but the pure beingness that we see if if we're looking with the Holy Spirit, if we're looking with our own beingness, we can only see beingness. Beingness sees beingness. Another way to think of it is Jesus talks about the golden rule being our holiness looks upon the holiness of our brother. Holiness can only see holiness. So, Obviously, if we're finding enemies and we're finding guilty people and people that need to be punished, we obviously are not looking through our beingness or our holiness. We're looking through the ego and the ego is finding what it wants to find. But our godlike mind, and he's going to call it our godlike mind here, um, cannot ever be defiled. It has never been harmed or hurt. Beingness can't be harmed or hurt. And um, so that's one way to to help think of this as we're reading through this relinquishment of attack. Would somebody please read paragraph one? Um, Bruce, how about you? You got your book there? Yeah. Sure. As we have already emphasized, every idea begins in the mind of the thinker. Therefore, what extends from the mind is still in it, and from what it extends, it knows itself. The word, quote, knows, unquote, is correct here because the Holy Spirit still holds knowledge safe in your mind through his impartial perception. By attacking nothing, he presents no barrier to the communication of God. Therefore, being is never threatened. Your godlike mind can never be defiled. The ego never was and never will be part of it. But 
through the ego, you can hear and teach and learn what is not true. You have taught yourself to believe that you are not what you are. You cannot teach what you have not learned and what you teach you strengthen in yourself because you are sharing it. Every lesson you teach, you are learning. Mm. That kind of ties into Tim's comment about, you know, it's, it's not, not about behavior and, and kindness. <laughs> well, as we all know, it's, it's, this course is always and only about the mind and it's only there that the correction is needed. Huh? Uh, I, you know, and to always ask ourselves, um, when we know, we know we're wrong-minded, we're not at peace, then mm -hmm. what is the idea that I am promoting in my mind? What is the idea that I am reinforcing? Because that, that brings us out of the behavior and back to the principles that we really need to change, the fundamental principles that we need to change. So here he's again saying, you know, you, you have a choice about what you want to learn and it's basic, you know, and that's what you want to teach. And you, it, it, it's like, um, well, I think he's going to say it where, where we're going, I'm not sure, but we're the commander of the ship, so to speak. We have to make the decision that we want to learn something different from what we've learned. And we're not the teacher. We have to do that. But we are the commander in the sense if we don't make the change of mind, then there's, there's not going to be a change. That's why the Holy Spirit can uh, approach us directly and say, you know, do this, do this, do this. We will resist like crazy. We will fight back like crazy. He has to teach us that only the truth is true and to deny the denial of anything not of God. Deny the denial of anything not of God to affect us in any way. That's forgiveness. To look, watch, wait, judge not, do nothing. Um, and in fact, uh, he used the word in this first pa paragraph, um, the Holy Spirit's impartial perception. What, what, is, what do you think about that, Bruce? What does that say to you? Impartial perception. The word partial is, is to me a, a big tip off right there because the, the duality has parts. <laughs> and so anything that's partial is, is obviously fragmented you know, schizoid, divided, uh, seemingly separate, and that's the silly, seemingly separate self we think we are, uh, um, and, and so that that you know illusory identity can only be uh, partial, and so the Holy Spirit is saying the only thing that's going to work is to you know drop all that and adopt true impartiality, which is basically you know allowing nothing that would divide. It kind of ties. It kind of reminds me of that. Uh, the earlier documentary about Mr. Rogers, where you know he he wouldn't entertain anything that was was uh, you know derogatory about anyone. I, I, that really that's really stuck with me. That you know he he wouldn't promote that and he wouldn't propagate any idea that would would demean anyone. And uh, so anyway. yeah, I think I think of um, beingness as being impartial perception in that. It, it just pure beingness 
and we know when we're in that state of pure beingness there's no there's no activity going on that is trying to uh, split off or uh, like you're saying divide or you know divide and conquer would be the eager ego's reason for dividing is to conquer you know but um there is a state of indivisibility in beingness and it can be so pleasant and we have to 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 learn where true pleasure is where true uh natural uh, effortless perception is and that it feels good that it is feels natural because it doesn't require anything of us we don't have to make anything so you know we're the ego is always trying to make it so make something so you know this is so this is so this is so the the, the vision is reality but beingness just doesn't do that you know there's, and, there's oh. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, there, there's, I'm going to paraphrase as usual, but something somewhere in, I think it's in the text, that says, you know, you have no idea the tremendous peace and release that will come from meeting your brothers wholly without judgment. You know, that, that yes. kind of thing. It's like, well, we get glimpses of it now and then when we, <laughs> we just, oh, yeah. It's kind of like, I stopped beating my head against the wall. Wow, it feels better. <laughs> what, what, a, what an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, the word, the word impartial. The Holy Spirit doesn't see parts. P-A-R-T-S. He just doesn't see parts. He doesn't see people on a screen. He just sees one son of God pretending it's not <laughs> one son of God. Stephen, you had something? Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, uh, you know, one of the things the Course says is uh, pay attention to how you feel. Um, you know, and for me, uh, if I'm uncomfortable, I'm in fear. And if I'm comfortable and peaceful, uh, I'm, I'm in love. Uh, I was listening to Watnick uh, this week and. It was very helpful for me. He said, anytime, anytime you make a choice that matters to you, then you're an ego. And so in the looking, in the practicing for the rest of the day, um, I watched that. Almost all of my choices are ego, of course, uh, uh, and all my, almost all my decisions. But in the looking, I can step back from that. And I, and I did that. And what I, was, what I noticed uh, was that if if my investment isn't there, if my detachment is there, then my impartial impartiality is there, and I'm in the present. And the present, uh, um, as I understand it from Wabnick in the course, is the only place um, uh, where you where you can be with Holy Spirit for that last step in Lesson 23. So uh, I, I really uh, suggest this for anybody. It was. Uh, I was flabbergasted at, at looking at my choices and realizing how often they matter to me. In other words, I'm in this world. I'm looking at this world and doing things as the world expects me to do it. Um, and if I step back from that and the choices don't matter, that's the only time that I get those glimpses of reality. Thank you. Yes, thank, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, right on. Mm -hmm. It seems like every everyone's ego is completely obsessive compulsive, but but none of us really like to admit that very often. <laughs> we're all the same in the ego as we're all the same in the Holy Spirit. We're not different. It, the ego mind operates the same way, doesn't it? <laughs> all right. Let's see. Tim, would you read the next paragraph, please, too? Uh 
That is why, oh, so every lesson you teach, you are learning. And in paragraph two, that is why you must teach only one lesson. If you are to be conflict-free yourself, you must learn only from the Holy Spirit and teach only by him. You are only love. But when you deny this, you make what you are something you must learn to remember. I said before that the message of the crucifixion was teach only love, for that is what you are. This is the one lesson that is perfectly unified because it is the only lesson that is one. Only by teaching it, you can learn it. In the manual, he says teaching is always demonstrating it, demonstrating to ourselves. We don't have to go out and teach this to anybody. We have, we have to demonstrate to ourselves that this is true. Um, only by teaching it, demonstrating it, can you learn it. As you teach, as you teach, so will you learn. If that is true, and it is true indeed, do not forget that what you teach is teaching you. And what you project or extend, you believe. Any, any comments? Um, that, that line, um, teach only love for that is what you are. And what he's, what he's, you know, I mean, that sounds good, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a good idea. But, but what he's saying, you got to lay down teaching crucifixion. You got to lay down looking for victimizers. That's the way you teach love instead of teaching condemnation, instead of teaching finger pointing instead of teaching blaming. So the message of the crucifixion is, it was made up. <laughs> Jesus's crucifixion was made up. Our crucifying ourselves to the tiny mad idea was made up. And then having to blame you for it, <laughs> rather than take responsibility for letting it go, that was all made up too. The, whole, the crucifixion was made up. Teach only love because that's all you are. You, you can't be crucified. So, yeah. <laughs> Right on. Yeah, Ellen. I was struck by our <clears throat> class yesterday about the relationship with ourselves. So we're talking here about loving other, you know, only being love, and you know that that all sounds very altruistic, and you know, ego. My ego could really get into that, uh, but the loving is it's me with me. Where's the conflict with me? And, and extending and being love, not only in me with others, but me with me, just me, period. That is so, I don't know, encouraging and whole feeling that, that I, I desire that. I want that. I, I can rest in that. And I, I just love the feeling of that. Yeah, that's, that's heaven. <laughs> That is a description that, uh, that the Course makes. Uh, I don't know where it is, but he says, heaven is the realization there's nothing outside of you. Everything mm. is in your mind. The world is in your mind. Your brothers are in your mind. Uh, everyone who's gone past and is no longer here is in your mind. Uh, it's, it's, there is only mind in mind. Yes. Mm. That's heaven. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
the the other uh, the other main point that he's making in this paragraph that he'll really flesh out in the next two sections is um, the, and and we've been saying this a lot lately is the way we wake up to that we are already love is we share we share that possibility with our brother because he's the he's the place where the buck stops. <laughs> I've condemned him. I say, I, I tell him he's not love. I tell him he's not the son of God. Look what you did. So we start by being willing to see beyond that veil of, of condemnation that we put on him. And in seeing his innocence in that moment with Jesus's help, that's when I realize I'm innocent too. So that's the payoff. I mean, it's, it's this self-enlightened interest thing. I realize you're innocent, I'm innocent, and, that, and, and we're joined in that innocence, literally. It's a palpable experience. It's where we want to go with this. And, and it's always that process. Teach what you want to learn. Show your brother the possibility that he may be innocent too, in spite of what he did or didn't do, in spite of who he killed or didn't kill. Uh, it, relative to what you just said, Tim, I, I'm going to skip ahead for a minute. If you turn the page to page 102, uh, paragraph nine, um, per sentence three, exactly what you're just speaking of and the, the whole idea that we're the commander of the enterprise. In an impossible situation, you can develop abilities to the point where they can get you out of it. You have a guide to how to develop them, but you have no commander except yourself. This leaves you in charge of the kingdom with both a guide to find it and a means to keep it. You have a model to follow who will strengthen your command and never detract from it in any way. I'm assuming as Jesus speaking of himself as he is the model for this. Um, you have a model to follow who will strengthen your command and never detract from it in any way. You therefore retain the central place in your imagined enslavement, which in itself demonstrates you are not enslaved. You are an impossible, in an impossible situation only because you think it is possible to be in one. So, you know, throughout this, as much as we might like there to be um, something that's going to magically save us, as Ellen pointed out, when we finally accept this realization that our, my salvation comes from me, that I'm the commander of this enterprise. And in fact, uh, you know, to begin to realize the power that is with us in making that one decision, the one decision that we need to make is to be taught, you know, a, diff a different way. It's pretty this, uh, extraordinary. This whole section, it's called the only answer, but he's really focusing on the maker, the one who chooses. And, you know, in Ken Watnick's chart, we, we talk about the decision maker a lot. So you have the ego here, and then you have the Holy Spirit over here, and then you sort of have the me, the chooser, in the middle, choosing between one of the two teachers. And that makes us the commander. 
who who are we asking to be our navigator? <laughs> Am I asking the ego to navigate? you know, sin and, and punishment and lay that on my brother, or am I asking the Holy Spirit to show me all this is made up? And they're going to navigate what direction we go in at that point. But I'm the commander. I'm the one who chooses between those two. And he calls it in line seven, you therefore retain the central place in your imagined enslavement. Central place. You're the decision maker. In the beginning of this section, he uses the word maker like three, three or four times. You made up the ego and then chose to listen to it. You could equally listen to the Holy Spirit. You could make that path happen too by choosing another guide. You're the maker. You're the commander. You're in the central place in your imagined enslavement. You're the one calling the shots here. Who's your, who's your daddy? Who's your guide? <laughs> uh, Stephen. Uh, yeah, uh, Jesus makes that real clear in uh, Lesson uh, 253, Myself is Ruler of the Universe. Uh, the first sentence uh, puts it all in perspective and matches up with, Tim, what, with what Tim was just saying. It is impossible that anything should come to me unbidden by myself. Even in this world, it is I who rule my destiny. Yes. Yes. Boy, if we, can be, if we can be relentlessly consistent with that, our, our learning would be accelerated enormously, wouldn't it? <laughs> Ellen. I just want to add quickly, I just saw this, and I thought it, this is important to know on page 100, under one, it, the ego always speaks first. And to know that, the I don't need to feel guilty about that. The ego will speak first. And like, just if I know that, like, okay, I can, uh, that, that doesn't mean something wrong with me, like me judging me. That is just how the mechanism works in this tiny mad idea. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and, the, and then those next two lines, um, it is capricious. <laughs> it's all over the place. And does not mean its maker, the decision maker well, meaning me as the chooser, <laughs> me as the maker of the, of the ego. It believes, the ego believes incorrectly that its maker, the decision maker, me, <laughs> me choosing, may withdraw his support from it at any moment. <laughs> that's what we're, that's what the ego is afraid of. Now, it doesn't even, it goes on, he doesn't even know what the Holy Spirit is. He just knows that the decision maker can make another choice. And it won't exist anymore. <laughs> It'll evaporate back into the nothingness from which it came. That, that's why the ego keeps us hopelessly preoccupied on the wheel of misfortune that we looked at yesterday with all the tangential issues in the world and on and on because it's, it's fear, it's terror, is that we will get back to the mind and change our minds, which is what we're doing. What A Course in Miracles is all about is, first of all, we learn that we have a mind, and secondly, that we are the chooser, the maker. I, I love that he's using the word maker here over and over because the word decision maker can really put those together. I mean, there's one place in the... Uh, uh, in the manual for teachers where it puts together decision maker. But uh, I didn't realize that until I worked with this, that he had maker in so many places. And now we're putting together decision and maker. Awesome. Let's, let's go back up to uh, 
paragraph three and finish this uh, section. Uh, let's see, uh, who has a book? Uh, Ellen, can you read? Can you read paragraph three? Sure. Yeah. Page 101? Yes. You cannot understand the no, conflict. Wait a, minute. Wait, a, wait a minute. No, paragraph three on page 100. Paragraph three? I don't think we finished this yet. Paragraph three? Mine, mine is on page 101. Um, oh, up, up there, I see. The only safety lies in extending the Holy Spirit, because as you see his gentleness in others, your own mind perceives itself as totally harmless. Once it can accept this fully, it sees no need to protect itself. The protection of God then dawns upon it assuring it that it is perfectly safe forever. The perfectly safe are wholly benign. They bless because they know that they are blessed. Without anxiety, the mind is wholly kind. And because it extends beneficence, it is beneficent. Safety is the complete relinquishment of attack. No compromise is possible in this. Teach attack in any form, and you have learned it, and it will hurt you. Yet this learning is not immortal, and you can unlearn it by not teaching it. Wow. So this is literally teaching us how we learn that we are totally harmless is by the extension through us to, to our brothers. And that's the only way, it is by giving, not trying to get anything. And um, uh, there was one other thing, let me say, oh, that if, if we perceive attack in someone else, uh, not only that, that we can't attack, but we, we perceive attack, <clears throat> coming from someone else, then we're making attack as real in that situation. We are still giving ourselves the idea that attack is real. It, again, we have to be uh, alert to seeing it is only a call for love. And it is my call for love because Minds are joined, there is only one of us. So I am responsible wherever I see attack. So I, I think it's important to remember that because we're so tempted when there's attack appearing outside of us, we think that that's, it's okay to call that an attack. It's not, it's a call for love. The, uh, the next line is, since you cannot not teach, we either teach attack or we teach forgiveness. I mean, it's in any given moment, whatever it is we think we're doing, that's all we're teaching. We're either teaching judgment and attack or we're teaching forgiveness and crucifixion is impossible. Crucifixion is silly. Right. Let's see, someone, uh, let's see, Jean, can you, can you read, have you got your book there? Could you read that last paragraph four, please? <clears throat> Since you cannot not teach, 
Your salvation lies in teaching the exact opposite of everything the ego believes. This is how you will learn the truth that will set you free and will keep you free as others learn it of you. The only way to have peace is to teach peace. By teaching peace, you must learn it yourself because you cannot teach what you still disassociate. Only thus can you win back the knowledge that you threw away. An idea that you share, you must have. It awakens in your mind through the conviction of teaching it. Everything you teach, you are learning. Teach only love and learn that love is yours and you are love. Hmm. Any thoughts about that, Jean? Um, I think for me right now, I, I, I struggle because love is so beautiful, yet I'm so, so easily distracted in the ego that the beauty of which I know to be true, I forget so often. And then, I, and then I'm into all of that. And so this is such a beautiful reminder for me today as I go about my day. Mm-hmm. That, the, that the decision maker can choose again. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, for all of us. Anyone else have anything they want to share before we close? All right. Let's see here. I wanted to uh, point out the importance of paragraph 11 on page, one oh, page 103, page Somebody. 103. Um, because a lot of us run around saying, to, um, oh. uh, Lynn Corona's group, but I'm on mute so I can pick up the phone. Yes. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, did you have trouble getting into our group? I think you think she's... So a- anyway, <laughs> back to... Uh, Back to paragraph 11, that is why the Holy Spirit never commands. A lot of us go around thinking, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this. The Holy Spirit told me to do that. Wapnik would always say, if the Holy Spirit told you to do something, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. He doesn't command you to do anything. He knows this is not a course about behavior. He might suggest to you, you might want to change your mind about the way you're seeing your brother, but he's not even going to tell you to do that. (laughs) You'll do it eventually. You'll give it up. But but this the Holy Spirit never commands, and, that, and that's a big New Age thing. You know, we, we go run into people all the time and say, "Holy Spirit told me you should do this." <laughs> the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this. Nah, <laughs> not this Holy Spirit. He doesn't say a whole lot. His only message is the Son of God is guiltless, no matter what you do or don't do. It's always that. It's only that. <laughs> so I mean, that's a huge, huge thing that he's pointing out in this uh, particular section. I want to close with um, the the last paragraph in this uh, section on the only answer, because it it is like um, Jesus is giving us here. Here's the answer. (laughs) This is what you need. And uh, it's his kind of big introduction to uh, the the Holy Spirit's functions. So um, I'll read this last paragraph 12, and we'll take a moment just to let that um, idea sink into our minds and 
to um, be grateful for it. God does not teach. To teach is to imply a lack which God knows is not there. God is not conflicted. Teaching aims at change, but God created only the changeless. The separation was not a loss of perfection, but a failure in communication, a harsh and strident form of communication arose as the ego's voice. It could not shatter the peace of God, but it could shatter yours. God did not blot it out because to eradicate it would be to attack it. Being questioned, he did not question. He merely gave the answer, and his answer is your teacher. And we thank God for God's gift of the Holy Spirit, his answer, and our teacher. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow at noon, mountain time, <laughs> the plan is to go over this last section, the lessons of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the lessons of the Holy Yeah. So hopefully we'll be doing that tomorrow at noon. Drop in if you're up for it, so inclined. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.